0: Okay, there we are. Okay, welcome to the world famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast. It is a fantastic, Dan? fantastic day. Yes, Dan, can you hear me? Dan, can Thank you hear you. me, my friend? Got you. Can you hear us?
1: Well, we're uh we evacuated Florida. Oh, because of the hurricane.
0: Yes. are you there uh,
1: dan um i'm can you hear me jim i've got
0: you i've got you loud and clear my friend i've got you
1: jim we're we're we've left florida because of the hurricane so we're and we're headed north towards Asheville, north carolina yeah but we're in back back country so we don't
0: i think we yep we lost Dan. okay well we've got don and we've got donna garabas so uh we are live here and i'm
2: in the middle of it
0: we are here live and uh we are doing the damn thing as always on a uh, fabulous day and uh it's a, uh, pressure situation. Don Mazella with us today and, uh, Donna Carol Voss with us. And, um, first of all, Don, um, give us your thoughts on, on, on this hurricane. And, uh, Dan was just telling us they've, they've evacuated and are heading toward, uh, North Carolina. Um, we'll start with you, Don. Give us your thoughts here, my friend. and we'll let Donna Carol Voss jump in. Don, are you there, my friend? Can you hear us? We're live. Don Mazzella, can you hear us, my friend?
2: Oh, I can hear you well, Okay, clear, but okay. I thought you said Dan. No, no, okay. no, no,
0: no, no. I was talking to you because I think we lost Dan. I think we lost Dan.
2: Oh, okay. What do it's you want to about? It's just gonna be the, you the, and uh, you I and I Donna talk, today. I'm in <laughs> So. I'm in a, actually a very interesting convention, which you may hear in the background. I'm at the fixed-based uh, the, the Northeast uh, uh, Airplane Association, where all private planes uh, get together. And I'm, I'm just talking to uh, somebody who, uh, who's had the fixed-based operation in St. Martin and Antigua and saying how uh, it passed by them. Caused some damage, but uh, thankfully not as much as they expected. Yeah. Now I'm moving up the uh, the coast and uh, uh, following the tr- track and talking to the various fixed based uh, operators, all of whom have said the same thing: that they've ne- they have never seen such an operate um, a hurricane in the last uh, 20 years that they know of, but uh, were surprised at how little damage uh, relatively speaking uh, has occurred uh, um, they've all evacuated their private planes from there and uh, 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 say that uh, surprisingly little um, airplane damage I can't talk about the rest of it but this that was the talk of the uh, here at the convention.
0: Now, uh, Donna Carol Voss with us today uh, as our as our guest here on our broadcast. And uh, Do- Donna, what 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 have you been hearing and seeing with this uh, with this hurricane and everything?
3: I just shake my head. I I cannot believe that after the devastation of Hurricane Harvey, that now we have of Hurricane Irma. I, and, and I, I tend to feel bad for the people in the path of Hurricane Irma because Harvey got all of the dramatic attention. And, you know, we can, we as an American people or the world, but we are the ones donating money. We can only handle so much for so long. And, you know, Harvey got all the attention. Plus nothing can compete with that flooding. Nothing. So I, I worry about the people and I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like supporting global warming in any way, or climate change. There may be some, but it's not as drastic as I think we're led to believe. I don't know how much impact humans have on it. But, darn if you don't know, they're going to be a C, C, climate change. Mm-hmm.
0: Dan Perkins is back with us. Dan, can you hear us, my friend?
1: Yes, sir. As I said, uh, we're evacuating Florida. It, we uh, we left uh, Sanibel yesterday morning, and after 14 hours, we traveled 300 miles.
0: <laughs> wow! It is, uh... and, you could,
1: and you and you couldn't do that today. I mean, the the roads are just absolutely jammed. So 95 North, 75. It just it would. I don't. I don't know how far you could go today. I mean, it just the highways are just. Uh, and and the highways last night. We drove into uh, north of Valdosta, Georgia, at one o'clock in the morning, and the highways were still. Really busy for 1 o'clock in the morning, and every hotel room was sold out from the Georgia border all the way to Valdasta, Georgia, just outside of – or from Valdasta to Macon, Georgia, uh, just, just south of of Atlanta.
0: We've got uh, our guest today, Donna Carol Voss. She's with us today. We've also got Dan Perkins. And joining us via telephone, we have uh, the great Don Mazzella and uh, IQL Al-Rizzoli. Uh, not sure where he's at today, but uh, he's not joining us here on our broadcast. However, um, Donna has a fantastic book out there. Nothing to apologize for, The Truth About Western Civilization. And uh, let's talk also here a little about this uh, DACA situation. Uh, Donna. Donna why is this so controversial and then I'll let the uh I'll let the guys jump in and ask you a few questions here
3: you know you cut in and out I heard Donna uh, and wh- the guys can ask okay okay questions. daca well, let's talk about daca
0: here why is yes. this so controversial Donna and then we'll let the guys jump in and ask you a few questions
3: about it well if you think about it it is the most um, emotionally wrought aspect Aspect of illegal immigration because, on the one hand, you have these very sympathetic illegal aliens who were brought here not under their own power, and nobody thinks that children dictate the parents' decision. So they were brought here, they had no choice in the matter, and so it comes down to do we let them stay? Which 86% of Americans think that someone who is brought here at age five should be allowed to stay. think that someone who was brought here as a teenager should be allowed to stay. And then there are those of us, like myself, who think we just have to bite the bullet and do this really hard thing because if we don't, if we reward this illegal behavior, there's just going to be more of it. Like when Ronald Reagan granted amnesty to the 3 million people in 1986, it was supposed to, you know, okay, that solves the problem. But now we have 11 million illegal aliens. So clearly, you know, granting amnesty just made. People think, "Oh, great! You know, let's let's try it. Let's let's get it on the next one."
0: Uh, Dan, do you, have, do you have any questions for Donna Carol Voss? We've we've got her live here today, my friend. Can you hear us, Don? Don or Dan? Oh, I'll jump which, in. Whichever one, whichever one can hear me, jump in. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, I'm I'm going to jump
2: in. As you know, I'm the son of an immigrant. Uh, uh, my father jumped ship to come into this country and married my mother to be uh to become legal so uh, uh i i'm kind of torn two ways but you know we have 11 million uh of these so-called dreamers uh and which is an interesting word because what they're dreaming about is being american citizens and i uh, i point out that um, the, the roman empire um, grew in the uh, first and second century ad uh, because uh, it judiciously granted Roman citizenship. We should be doing the same thing. The, um, we, we should ask these, um uh, loving dreamers three questions. Where do they, uh, their loyalty lie? Two, do they speak English? Which, uh, while not our, our official language, should be. And, uh, number three, what are, are their skills? If they're going to be, if they're on the, uh, uh, those are the three questions I would ask, and then from then, uh, give them.
3: What do you think? Me or Jiggy? You, Donna. Me. Well, I I agree with you that English should be our official language. That's where we we actually are on totally the same page. I feel the same way in terms of being torn, however... I don't know that all these dreamers are the wonderful, wonderful people that uh, some of them certainly are, but it is it is obviously not possible that an entire group, 886,000 dreamers out of 11 million illegal aliens, and what I've seen... I'm not too impressed with their loyalty to America, because if you think about it, they have benefited from a world-class education free at the uh, expense of the American taxpayer. So to me, there should be at least a little bit of gratitude. And what I hear them saying, and I I really take issue with them referring to themselves as immigrants, because we do have legal immigrants, and that is a different category of people. That's a privilege to be an immigrant in America. These folks are illegal aliens, illegal meaning here unlawfully, alien meaning citizens of another country so it's not a dis, it's not a an insult to call them illegal aliens but they do not have a right to be here and especially when they don't evince gratitude or being raised here i'm less sympathetic to them i have to say maybe i'm cold-hearted but if they were just so so uh we love america we love your values we really want to stay that's one thing but you know we wake up every day afraid that we're going to be deported because we're immigrants or this is not a white country this is an immigrant country and that that just turns me off.
2: We couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) You've hit it uh, right on the the head. Uh, You know, uh, what do you think of uh, uh, President Trump putting this uh, into the laps of the Senate and House and saying, solve something?
3: I think... It is a ball that should have been in their court all along. However, I don't think that that's why Donald Trump did it. I think he did it to force them to do something. I also think he did it uh, as a bargaining chip at the beginning of this very, very packed calendar that Congress has so that he can negotiate, look, will Republicans will give you the dreamers if you give us the wall or something, some uh, equivalent value. So I don't think he's as focused on the Constitution as he appears to be although it's isn't, DACA was always unconstitutional so it is correct that he give it back to Congress although I, if you hear what he says where he says um, I'll be happy to revisit it I don't think he has any of sending these kids folks out of the country
2: uh, again Jiggy uh, 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 we're in trouble I'm agreeing with you <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> you know um, uh, well let's go um, let, let's go further uh, one of the things I object to is calling them dreamers uh, I think it's a, a, a bad word but uh, um, uh, w- uh, the alternative do you believe we should uh, 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 have some sort of a test for them in order
3: for, for them to remain no I don't think it's a question of loyalty I really don't I think it's a question of What we want our overall immigration policy to be. And either we, I'm speaking as a parent here, I always tell my kids, I can't reward bad behavior. So either we reward people who come here illegally by at least letting their children stay, and then how many more people are going to try to sneak their minor children across the border. So either we reward that behavior and we expect it to increase, or we absolutely do not reward that behavior and we would expect it to decrease so in my opinion very easy for me to say i think we should absolutely not reward that bad behavior we should do what we need to do to communicate don't bother coming here but then again that's an, that's that gets to a bigger issue i think we should not have anchor babies um, it's a large oh and chain migration so a quote-unquote dreamer and maybe you can tell me how that who, who came up with that nickname but so the, the dreamers they come or they stay and then they're able to bring you know great aunt opal or great aunt maria and so it's it's not just one person out of that eight hundred eighty six thousand it's you know maybe maybe five or six people per and that's a very different situation
2: all right great uh what do you what do you think about saying that uh, the parents uh, are illegal the children can either uh Go back with the, with the uh, parents or stay without the parents. What do you think about that?
3: I think illegal is illegal, and we have to have the same rule for... Uh, the one exception I would make is if there are anyone, any illegal alien, but especially a dreamer in the military. If they're already putting their life on the line, and that's a very easy black-and-white decision, because when you have interviews, who's doing the interview? You know, what are the questions? Is it consistent? Uh, to me, that is just opening a big can of worms. But if you say, okay, this person is already in the military, I give them a pass. Give them uh, permanent status.
2: Well, uh, I, don't, I believe, uh, what do you believe about the idea? Well, we say uh, no more. Even if you're uh, born of illegal parents, after, after uh, January first, two 2018, you're, no, you're not covered under this, and you've got, got to go back. What do you think about that?
3: I think that would be a very smart move. In general, we don't want. Uh, I don't think you know. The 14th Amendment was instituted to give citizenship to freed slaves, and of course, we had to do that. But it's been used now. I hear you know very wealthy women from China will fly in to L.A. give birth there. So that their children have dual citizenship. Uh, again, with um, crossing the southern border, we don't want to make it so easy to be an American citizen. We want to hold it out as yep. a real privilege that you have to earn, work for, and deserve. And just anchor babies. It it, uh, it it just seems like such a such a stupid thing to be doing because it just it just I mean all it does is allow people because once you're here once they're here all they have to do is pop out a kid and then boom the kid's legal and so the kid gets all these welfare benefits and then the parents benefit from that I, it, you know you don't you don't feed the lion if you don't want the lion to stick around
2: uh, that's a great line I'm I'm going to steal that one uh-huh. that, that is a great line feel free well uh, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're milking this because, unfortunately, both you and I agree and um, I suspect, most of the points involved here. Should we go on to the uh, broader issue yes. of uh, what we yes. should do with all of the uh, illegal immigrants in this country?
3: Yes, that's a much thornier problem. But I, I think that... The philosophy remains the same. There are those, I I see these folks on TV, I saw somebody on Tucker Carlson last night saying, I have faith in the American people. I think we we can just take anybody. And I think, okay, that person does not have kids. Because if you have children and your schools are being inundated with non-English speakers who then have to have special attention that diverts attention away from, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. So I think we have to be very, very draconian about illegal immigration. And people like myself, and if you agree, are very much in the minority. And yet, what, what are we, who are we? If we're not able to be America with borders and standards, well, who and what are we anymore?
2: Well, a great answer. Uh, could I ask for the name of your book again?
3: Why, yes, of course you may. It is called Nothing to Apologize for, The Truth About Western Civilization. And it's a very clear-eyed love letter to America that does not any punches. I talk about the horror of slavery that we, you know, were it was atrocious that we did that. We treated the Native Americans or the American Indians terribly, and we still are in that respect if you don't know if you don't have a personal reason for knowing what's going on with american indians you probably have no idea how bad it is but one thing i found when i was researching my book is that they're not allowed to own their own land the us government uncle sam for their benefit quote unquote maintains control of their resources so they cannot get jo- they cannot get uh, loans to buy homes they cannot get loans to start businesses because they have no collateral. And you look at the alcoholism and the high school dropout rates, well, those are the symptoms of being shut out of the of the free market economy. So I think we're terrible what we do to American Indians. We really need to own that. But the book is very informative, it's short, it's easy to read, very easy to to digest. I love being funny and humorous, so it's a good book. I recommend it.
2: Well, if I'm not hearing you correctly, and I'm sorry uh, 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 if uh, I, I miss saying, your, your book is, real, is a peon to the Western Civilization, but you're saying that
3: uh, we uh, we were not uh, nice to our Native Americans. Did I well, hear it correctly? Yes, my second chapter is uh, it's called Western Culture is Messy, I Can't Lie so when I, <clears throat> excuse me when i am explaining the context of western civilization and defending it i'm also saying that it's been poorly behaved at points so the overall thesis of my point is of my book is we want to bring western civilization or western culture to the party well behaved western culture to the party and show it off a little bit because we in the west europeans are expected to Hang our heads in shame, and I think we can hang our heads in acknowledgement, but to feel to, to be convinced that we're not allowed to eat at the table well everyone will will suffer from that because people don 't understand Western civilization brought us science and reason and logic and the enlightenment and all the things that people are using to um, determine and evaluate that we have some problems we need to that's a purely Western phenomenon that we look at ourselves, that we believe in progress, that we reason our way forward to a better future. We only have civil rights here because every single group in this country we know is deserving of civil rights. And if they're not there yet, we're on our way. Whereas other countries in the East, Eastern civilization, if, if human rights exist, if they exist, they're fragile. Well,
2: well what do you think about the, the, this uh, uh, drive to eliminate all the statues of Christopher Columbus and all the other people.
3: It is it is so stupid because I think when you when you start down very gray, very murky, very slippery slope, where does that stop? Do people, black people, are overwhelmingly represented, overrepresented with the last name Washington. Ninety something percent of people with the last name Washington are black. So, do they have to change their names? Are they all going to be so-and-so X, like Malcolm X? I mean, what we, the the underpinnings of this country, whether you like it or not, are white, European, Judeo-Christian values, and people. And I don't agree with eliminating, what I would like to see is where there are statues of Robert E. Lee. Put up a statue of Harriet Tubman, and Frederick Douglass, and Nat Turner, and, and put a little outdoor museum there, and explain the whole story. Don't eliminate Part of the story that isn't all of it. Just add. And tell the rest of the story.
2: Oh, uh, you know, uh, Jiggy, uh, this man speaks uh, um,
0: uh, good English and uh, good thoughts. Yes. Do uh, you want me to continue on? Go ahead, Don. The floor is yours, my friend. We don't have Dan or IQ, so uh, we might as well we might as well l- l- let you talk for a change, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to be too much of
2: a hog, you know me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but let's let, let's go uh, uh, to. Uh, I happen to agree with you, and someone pointed out something to me uh, the other day that uh, uh, no matter what the civilization is, including the Asian, Japanese, and the Chinese, it has not survived contact with the West in the original form and pointed out that the kimono is almost non-existent today in Japan as a mode of dress, that it is a totally Western um, uh, uh, clothing world. And if you look at China, the middle class, uh, uh, as someone pointed out, uh, she likes uh, Kentucky fried chicken over uh, Chinese uh, General Chows. Uh, uh, The chicken. Do you want to comment on that?
3: Sure. You made the comment that uh, these civilizations have not survived contact with Western civilization. I would say they were improved by contact with Western civilization. And one very kind of controversial example of this is India. When the British colonized India, they required English to be spoken everywhere. Well, without that English as a unifying language, India has, I don't know how many hundreds of different little languages. They would not be able to be the economic power and uh, as progressive as they are today if they could not all communicate with each other. Plus, when uh, the British were ruling it, they did have Indian um, leaders and managers and uh I don't know, leaders is probably the best word, but because they learned that structured Western way of organizing and planning and executing an economy, look at how well they're doing today.
2: Well, you know, it's ironic. That's a great example, but someone pointed out to me, they also learned the perfidy of the English as well, but that's for another time.
3: Well, every culture's got its downside. That's one of the things to my book is that what we do with the Western civilization and culture in America is we look at only the bad, only the bad, which, you know, it's very rapacious capitalism. Uh, we we see only slavery instead of the fact that we in the West abolish slavery first. We figured it out first. And every single culture in the country, in the, in the world since the dawn of time, has had slavery. But we figured it out in the West first. And that's my whole point is just let's look at the West in context, because no culture is all good. No culture is all bad. Even the Taliban built some schools. So you really have to look in context and realize that every human culture has its dark side, its ugly side. That cannot be what defines us if everybody has it, different flavor in different cultures. But what defines us is what we've been able to do despite that. And we in the West, there's no question. That we have brought the most prosperity, the greatest amount of human rights, the greatest opportunity. I mean, people are not fighting to get out of this country to get to Saudi Arabia. People are fighting to get in because it is such an exceptional place.
2: Thank yeah, you. I always said, uh, I always pointed out that during the Cold War, no one was ever uh, trying to get into the Soviet Union. They were all trying to get into the United States, and you just uh, confirmed that.
3: Well, people aren't stupid. They know. They definitely <laughs> know. And, I, you know, you, you mentioned the statues. I think there's a bigger problem, and that is uh, free speech. I am very alarmed to see what is happening with this whole concept of hate speech, which really does not exist if you look at the First Amendment. There are two things that are not covered under the First Amendment. One is a clear and present danger, like yelling fire in a crowded theater. The second is something called fighting words that are harder to explain, but it has to do with inciting violence right then, right there. You cannot do that. But everything else, I can offend you. I can say odious things. I can say whatever I want. Because if you have power today to tell me, and when I say you, I mean the generic you. If you have power today to tell me what I can and cannot say, Think about this. Some day someone else will have power and tell you what you can and cannot say. What if what if in the future, you know, super-duper conservative people are running the show and you can't say gay or you can't say transgender? It's so stupid to give humans the power to dictate what other humans can say. It needs to be this um, impersonal objective, occasionally interpreted by the Supreme Court Constitution, that, that we are all accountable to, that is a level playing field for all of us
2: very articulate statement and again i can't argue with you you're absolutely right oh no hey,
0: hey Jiggy, what are we going to do over here no one's <laughs> well uh donna t- t- tell us l- l- let's switch topics here um donna tell us about your book that you wrote uh fairly recently with the presidential election because i know don definitely would would love to talk about that book it was uh uh, the questions you ask every Oval Office candidate. Tell us a little bit about that, and 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 let's talk a little bit about that because uh, it I think it'd be very interesting in conversation, especially since Don uh, has has well, been I, I studying a to, wrong side uh, president. Uh, suggest
3: thing. this because it's but I I think you agree with me on this too, but we'll just see. So, ten questions to ask every Oval Office candidate. It's an evergreen topic because every presidential election there'll be slightly different questions. They can be modified for the midterm elections that are coming up. But one of the most controversial questions I ask, and I don't have an answer for this, so maybe maybe Don will disagree with me or have a different point of view. If we are going to survive as a culture, I think we have to be willing to kill innocent women and children. For instance, the Taliban, when they when they occupy schools, because they know we don't want to bomb schools. And then they use those as a base for uh, uh, attacking the West. So we have to decide, is, is our culture worth preserving, or have we had our turn in the sun? Is it someone else's turn now, and we don't survive at the cost of killing innocent women and children? I tend to go down on the side that we have to. We have to preserve our culture. Our culture is what has given the most to the world. So... And we have a right to survive. It it is, you know, survival instinct is very strong, but at the same time to say, well, you know, sorry, women and children need to go because we need to survive. That is a very harsh line to draw. What do you think?
2: Well, that's a a darn good question. Uh, And I I come down on the same side uh, as you. (coughs) Um, You you know, um, uh, this culture... And I make some, uh, uh I don't make apologies uh, to it when I talk about it. Uh, you know, it, uh, I, I come from a, uh, a, a lower class, uh, background and, uh, have managed, I think, to move, uh, up a little one or two strata. And this country has always enabled people to do that. Um, we don't talk about Alger, um Horatio Alger anymore. We don't talk about, uh, people um, who made good, starting from humble be- beginnings, we, which this country always allowed throughout its history. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I go back, to, in, when I went to college, we talked about Frederick Jackson's uh, um, uh, frontier thesis. The constantly westward-moving frontier explains the American character. And the American character has always been based on the idea of of meeting and overcoming challenges. And, and to me, that is what is the basis of this country, its ability to overcome challenges, uh, whether it's uh, putting a man on the moon, whether it's overcoming a Texas uh, uh, hurricane, whatever it is this country ha- has done, and that's what we have to preserve what what I, what I uh, see too much of and hear too much of is people saying, "We can't do this, we can't do this, how terrible this is, and how terrible that is, and you, you know, and we don't celebrate the goodness anymore, we celebrate the uh the badness, and that to me is what's wrong with this country right now, and it should change and I 'm back to you.
3: I agree completely. How can we disagree on that? And I I think it's so ironic that, for instance, I don't know if you followed this, but in Los Angeles, they just voted, the city council of the city and county of Los Angeles, no more Columbus Day. It's Indigenous Peoples Day. Well, Columbus is the reason we have West. Western European culture in the Americas, and it's Western European culture that creates a system of government where there's such a thing as a city council, where elected representatives vote according to their constituents' desire, and they, I don't agree with them, but they're able to change the name of Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. So it's a little bit like biting the hand that... Oh, hey, I, have, heavily uh, on Western I think they're idiots. Uh, (laughs) i just i I, 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 know yeah we he deserves his own day i mean we would not have western culture is about science and reason and individualism and in america we have done that with a very big chaser of optimism if you think about it i love uh reading alexis de tocqueville uh america when he first came over you know he was he got a little trouble over in france and needed to scoot over here uh to lay low for a while, and he supposedly came over to study the American prison system. But when he got here, he was so shocked. He'd never seen people, men, greet each other as equals. Because where he was from in European culture, uh, you know, you would you would curtsy or you would bow to someone who was of a higher order than you are. And the, the higher the order, the lower the bow or the lower the curtsy. Whereas here, you know, you're just such egalitarian. In fact, he thought that when he went back to France, nobody would believe him. He thought nobody would believe that there was such egalitarianism in America.
2: You know, uh, uh, how to you bring up a point. I was uh, on Sunday, on Labor Day, I was at a reception for the Korean American Food Group. Uh, they were holding a big event on uh, Tuesday, and they had a reception the day before. And I, was ta- I happened to be talking to a... A second generation Korean American uh, woman who was the tra- official translator, and she pointed out that the biggest adjustment she had to make was that Americans don't bow to each other, and in Korea, uh, that they bow to each, they still do, and Asians you know, bow to each other and um, making that adjust, adjustment, she said um, when she did that, she knew she was more American than Korean.
3: See, that's the thing. No matter where you come from in this world, America is an idea. It's an idea, and it's a set of ideals. So if you subscribe to those ideals, you are, by definition, American. You require citizenship to be called American, but you can be very American in your mentality. And if you think about it, you said Korea, it made me think of this. The U.S. has occupied well, stuck around in South Korea ever since the end of the Korean War. And it's because of that, that look at Samsung, look at the amazing economic power that South Korea is. Have you ever seen that picture of the Korean Peninsula at night where there's that dividing line, the South is ablaze with capitalist light and the North is completely dark?
2: Uh, True, true, true. Accurate, accurate, accurate. You, you, you you're very true. Um, you, know, they have a new uh, series coming out on the Vietnam War, but one thing they're not going to point out is the Republican and Korean troops. They rotated the divisions in and out of Vietnam, um, and, and the, the difference between the Korean troops and the, the American troops. And one of the biggest difference was that there were no prisoner stockades in the Korean. Um, uh, divisions, because they never took prisoners.
3: Interesting. I did not know that. So, what, What you know, I've heard so many different things about the Vietnam War, and you're probably a little bit older than I am. I'm 54, so I don't remember it at all. I wasn't born, or I was born, but I was just a little whippersnapper. But do you think, I, I've heard that we were winning the war, and if we had stayed... We would have won, but it was so unpopular here at home that we pulled out. And I just that scene of the the South Vietnamese trying to jump on the helicopter as it pulls away—that is just heart wrenching.
2: Well, I was there. I, I, um, I, I covered it. So, um, wow. and I'm biased. So I have to tell you that as a reporter, I'm biased. But um, I only plan up. I always plan out one thing. Uh, if you see the Vietnam uh, series, you'll the, the, you'll hear them say that the Hue Huey was a defeat, but the U.S. Marines uh, took on the thin and 27th A uh, Vietnamese Division, uh, which is the best division in the North. Vietnamese had and utterly decimated it. It was uh, it, it was never reformatted. Uh, the, the point is we lost the war because. Uh, Americans uh, and the media um, uh, uh, made it a defeatist war, a war rather than what it was. A military victory, but a propaganda defeat. Uh, and I can, uh, uh, I've been booed off stages for saying that, but uh, that's what I, I was there, and that's what I believe, and that's what I, uh, I think ultimately history will say.
3: Do you think uh, there's a similar. Uh complexity or danger that americans are just not war ready we're very soft we're very delicate so we don't like a war that goes on we want to bring our people when we say we i'm talking the generic we you know we just want to be done with it we think that we can bring everybody back and just not have to worry about it we can just go to the mall you know or watch keeping up with the kardashians but i think we don't We really don't value what our military does in terms of keeping us safe. And if you ever saw that movie, um, A Few Good Men, where Jack Nicholson and the final scene is so so compelling, where he says, you know, you don't want to know what I do to keep you safe. You can't handle the truth. And I think that's very true. I think that Americans are very naive because we don't have to face the kind of brutality and terrorism that really is almost daily fare in the rest of the world. It's coming, unfortunately, I think. We'll reach a point, but I hope that we figure it out that we need our military between us and the rest of the world before we get there.
2: Well, you know, um, I'll answer you. uh, I don't know if that was a question, but I will um, add to the discussion uh, by quoting... You know, Colin Powell uh, said something very interesting. Um, Americans um, don't go to war for territory... They go to war to defend democracy, and um, uh, 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 all all they ask in return is uh, some earth to bury uh, its dead on foreign soil. Uh, If you think about what we've done, now people go back to the Philippines uh, um, uh, 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 and to the annexation of the Philippines and Cuba, etc., but in, in the 19th, 20th, and 21st century, what have we really tried to do but defend democracy? Um, and uh, to me, uh, that's a, that's a very difficult thing to do unless you have something like Pearl Harbor. Um, it's very difficult to convince American people that they should do that. Uh, I'm just finishing a book today. Uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm on the air. Just, uh, I just finished a book today uh, on the South Pacific campaign and pointed out that um, uh, some of the toughest fighting in the South Pacific from World War II were done by National Guard units from uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, etc. who were there only because of Pearl Harbor, not because they wanted uh, any other uh, territory or anything else. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to defend something uh, rather than be for something. You see, uh, um, uh, we could go on and on. But that's the point I want to make. So, Back to you.
3: Do you agree then with President Trump's decision that we no longer do nation building over in the Middle East?
2: You know, uh, I've covered four uh, Arab-Israeli con- conflicts. You know, and uh, I wa- uh like everybody else, I'm uh, totally baffled by by Middle Eastern politics, etc. It's a quagmire, and uh, uh, it's a solution. And every time, uh, whether the Arabs advance it or the Israelis advance it, uh, the other side always wants more. And uh, and if you've ever been in a bazaar in the Middle East, you know that uh, uh, the person who puts in the first bid loses, and the person who puts in the last bid is never satisfied. So, uh, and you've got leaders who um, essentially stay in power only as long as there is a conflict. Once that conflict is over, people will throw them out, because what do they want? What do they want on the West Bank? Uh, they want prosperity. What do they want uh, in Lebanon? Prosperity. You don't get prosperity uh, um, uh, uh, when you have conflict. And, uh, uh, you, uh, but but the, the leaders understand that they, that people will demand a different kind of leader uh, if peace is, is ever declared. That's very interesting. I don't know That's...
3: if name. Huh? that's very interesting uh, I had never thought of it that way I what I think when I look at that the Middle East is that they're just tribes they're tribal and you cannot have democracy when you have tribes with in-group out group with no overarching philosophy that brings them out of their sort of self-centeredness and I I see that happening here in this country. I think we're getting with this, you know, identity politics or intersectionalism, we're, we're, we're devolving into tribes where it's the blacks and it's the Jews and it's the gays and it's the transgender and it's the, you know, women and everybody has to be in their own little, um, their own little cave. And so if you notice, democracy is fading. And, and, a, and a big symptom of that is free speech, which is the foundation of our country, the foundation. Every other constitutional right rests on the freedom of speech and the freedom of assembly. Hey, here's something we might disagree about. What did you think about the the uh, white supremacists who were protesting in Charlottesville? Do you think that they had a right to march around and say the Jews will not replace us? I'm sorry,
2: I didn't hear you. Uh, you faded out on my phone. I apologize.
3: That's okay. So in Charlottesville, when the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis were chanting the Jews will not replace us. First off, us, they weren't.
2: You know, that's what I really hate. Uh, I, you, uh, We all fall into the trap. Are they neo-Nazis or are they people, uh, the KKK? um uh predates the nazis the uh, and uh to label them nazis uh, is, is is again false labeling are they people who have a more conservative bent and i don 't mean to interrupt you, but to me the, the power of words are there and and we who uh uh, uh look at things somewhat differently than the majority of the media, uh, I, I, I fall into the same trap of calling them. Shall we just call them what they were? People who happen to be different and feel more right-wing than the, than the, uh, other people. Whether they're not, uh, fascist or not, is, is not for you and me to say or the media to say uh, because it's a pejorative word. to say same, same if I use the N-word. Uh, out, out there uh, and, I, and that to me is part of the problem that the, the media slips into too often uh, what, what are these people that uh, the, stop that stopped in Charlottesville in my view they're communists they're people who uh, 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 don't tolerate an alternative view whether that view is right or wrong is immaterial What should be tolerated is an alternative, uh, a counterpoint. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just just want to—I get—I get boiled at this point on that point.
3: Well, you make a very good point, and I there's that picture, sort of iconic picture now of the young man with anger and fury and just yelling. Uh, snapped for the world to see, yelling at the counter-protesters that night in Charlottesville. And yet I saw the young man who is a University of uh, Nevada at Reno student, and his life has been ruined because of that picture. He's been fired from his job. I think he had to leave school. And I saw him, and he was actually a very mild-mannered kind of nice guy. And he said that it was a unite the right, meaning all... Different kinds of groups, and there were some very extreme groups there that he and his friends did not want to be there, but there was nothing they could do about it. That he personally was not chanting, uh, "The Jews will not replace us." But like like you said, it's a continuum, and I loved that press conference that Donald Trump had. In fact, I texted a friend afterward and said, "I said I've never loved Donald Trump more. I think he's so right." And nobody gives him credit, but he was so right. There was violence on both sides. In fact, you know the the um, white supremacists or whatever you want to call them they they've slunk away. There's very few of them, and they're really not an issue. But this Antifa, they are starting to shut down any freedom of expression. It doesn't matter whether it's left, right. They are just out there to crush and create anarchy. I think they're much more dangerous. um, um, uh, um to me, um.
2: I call this um, um, uh, the crowd uh, media. Uh, in Berkeley, in every other in, in every other place um, that we're seeing this, we're seeing professional agitators rather than uh, people who with real con- conviction. And, Jiggy, I hate to say this, but I have to go. I, uh, I'm a speaker at this event. Not a problem.
0: Not a problem. I'll just I'll just finish off the broadcast here with Donna. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Mazella. There goes Don Mazella here on our big broadcast, coast to coast, border to border, on iHeartRadio, amfm a m twenty-four seven dot com, and uh, we've got Donna Carol Voss joining us here as our guest this week here on our broadcast. And uh, uh, Donna, this this. There is a lot going on with a lot of the things going on in the news. Um, let, let's let's focus a little bit more on on your book that you've got out there. Um, wh- why did you decide to write this book?
3: Well, because I was one of those people that hated America. I went to Berkeley, got there in nineteen eighty one, and I was just you know naive. I I hated my parents because I was a stupid middle middle class teenager. You know, I thought they were stupid. But other than that, I was pretty, pretty patriotic. I was pretty uh, proud of America. Then I get to Berkeley, and you know, five minutes later, I, I, I'm taught that we're imperialistic and colonialist and racist and sexist and homophobic and all of these things, and I just bought it hook, line, and sinker. In fact, I got to the point where just the name Ronald Reagan made me nauseous, uh, the biggest swear words in my vocabulary, and there were quite a few of them. The biggest ones were Phyllis Schlafly. and so i I understand that point of view where you are so disgusted one is so disgusted uh, with the with the the very admittable, admitted negative parts that you lose sight of the of the whole picture, and as I've gotten older, as I've you know raised children, as I've paid taxes, as I've been more involved and engaged in our civic and in our in our American society, I realize, oh, that is so short sighted. That is that is social suicide. People who want to focus only on the negative, they are killing us. And yet, there's this wonderful, wonderful part of America. It's like when President Obama said, well, Americans are exceptional, just like, you know, the Brits think they're exceptional and the Brazilians think they're exceptional. No, we really are exceptional. We really are. If you think about it, we, we talk about being a nation of immigrants. Well, the immigrants, they came across the waters, right? Or from from elsewhere. They had to have been open-minded, adventurous, adventurous, risk-takers. So they are the ones who peopled this country and then their children as well learn from them. Even the people who were here and moved west, like Don was talking about Andrew Jackson, those people had to have uh, courage and uh, a, a spirit of adventure and were tolerant to risk, open-minded. In fact, I've noticed this in the west, uh, people are a lot more open-minded than in the east coast, and one of my theories is, is the trees. The trees back there are so tall, you feel like you're claustrophobic in this little maze through all the trees, whereas in the West, it's so open. But also, people who moved out here were very open-minded. So, I think we are just an incredible group of people, optimistic. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Apollo 13? Where they they have to figure out how to put a round plug and a square hole and they do it and they bring those astronauts safely back from space yep. when there's been all of those problems that's America, to me that, that epitomizes America that ingenuity and optimism
0: it is Donna Carol Boss, she's with us today she's our special guest here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com tune in iTunes for your loyalty and uh, talking with her today about her latest book Now, um, what elements did you draw upon to develop this book? I'm sorry, you cut
3: in and out again? What, what, what did you
0: say? elements did you draw upon to develop this book, Donna? Oh,
3: oh, okay. So I picked the things that I feel hot and bothered about, and I will just run through. So my, my first chapter is back in the day, Western was cool. You know, Back in the day, Stanford, in the early part of the 20th century, there were competitions to see who could be the most knowledgeable about Western civilization. They had groups where they would get together and talk about how awesome it was. It was really, and Stanford had this amazing, amazing Western Civ program. It was it was renowned throughout the country. And then in 1988, Reverend Jesse Jackson, who was running for president at that time, or thinking about throwing in his name into the ring, he appeared at Stanford, and he talked about how you know everybody is precious in God's sight, red, yellow, black, white, which is true. But he also went on to say Western Civ has got not to go, he, his point of view was we have to add other cultures in, which I agree, when we when we realized there was more than just white male points of view, awesome. But what we did was demonize Western culture in the meantime. So there's a very famous story about how after he gave a speech, he led about 500 students down to the Stanford Law Library who were chanting, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. And... Apparently, there was an eyewitness there who said Jesse Jackson was not chanting that. He was saying, no, 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 we don't want to kill Western culture. We want to add different and new voices to it. So, you know, if only we had listened, because we, we threw the baby out with the bathwater and we demonized Western culture for its very real problems. But, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, Western culture, one of, the, one of the hallmarks about it is that we are self-critical in the East. They think that the past is better than the future, like it can only degrade. Whereas in the West, we think the future is better than the past. So we're always forward-looking. We're always improving. We're always getting better. We're never satisfied because we know we can always do better. And I think that's a a remarkable thing that we're only aware of our problems because we are the West that looks at them, owns them, and does something about them.
0: Donna Carol Voss with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast. Boner to Boner on TuneIn, iTunes Radio Loyalty, iHeartRadio today. And uh, your your books are incredibly, incredibly well written. Tell me a little bit about the writing process for this latest book.
3: You know, it's... uh... It is thank you for saying that they're- inc- incredibly well written I love to write and so I wait until I'm hot and bothered about something and i when i when I'm shaking with adrenaline, I know I'm ready to write because I'm either angry or excited or passionate and I just start writing and it it just comes out and then I go back and I make sure that it makes logical you know it makes sense and there's a logical flow to it but generally once I'm really heated about something, it just spills out spills out very, very easily. And also, I, I think, um, I, if I do say so myself, I'm quite funny. So the humor just, just spills out as well. And I think that's what makes this book so easy to digest, because it's not you know heavy, scholarly, academic information, although it is packed with um, things people may not know. But it is funny, 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 funny.
0: Donna Carol Voss with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio, AM, FM, 24 com. Tune in iTunes and Radio Loyalty. And uh, before we let you go, uh, tell us a little bit about the website and where people can uh, get more information on you, Donna. Ooh.
3: Yes. Okay. So website is DonnaCarolVoss.com, and I'm just getting ready to launch my podcast. So it's not up and running yet, but this is my idea. I want to have regular Janes and Joes who are interested. I don't care what the topic is, sex, religion, politics, or something else. I want people to submit to my website things that they're interested in talking about. And then I'll pick, you know, it could be Jiggy Jaguar, although you're way too famous. Or it could be My Girl Next Door or something. And then we'll just have a real-time conversation with a real person about something like my 40-year-old young friend who has got stage four cancer and has four young children I mean stuff that people really care about and I am really excited about it I think that's going to be so you know so so many podcasts they sound the same I think especially you know beginners and and people that don't really have anything to do except get on there and talk and I want to have real people I think it's so interesting like with Don it's so interesting the back and forth there's nothing more interesting than real spontaneous dialogue between people so I'm very excited about that stay tuned for that
0: well well Donna I appreciate you making time for us today thanks for coming on our program and uh, we will talk to you here in a couple weeks my friend I appreciate it my, ple- my pleasure appreciate it that's Donna Carol boss joining us on Skype mm-hmm. audio and uh, that is that. We've got more coming up here on our big broadcast. I thought the music was going to kick in. Apparently music is not going to kick in.